This is an ABC podcast. Why did it take the justice system 20 years to work out that Kathleen Folbig was wrongly convicted of killing her four children? Does Australia need a better way to address miscarriages of justice? Australia might well want to introduce a criminal case review commission. I suggest it does not follow our model. It needs to be adequately funded, it needs to be independent, and it needs to build up its own profile. It's hugely important to correct individual miscarriages of justice, but it's equally important to think about the lessons that can be drawn from wrongful convictions that are identified in order to stop patterns from repeating. We keep a list of systemic issues and we have a number of cases at the moment where identification evidence is very much an issue in the applications before us. The United Kingdom has had a Criminal Cases Review Commission for many years. New Zealand introduced one in 2020 and the Canadian Parliament is currently considering a bill that would create a similar body. So is it time Australia did the same? Hi, Damien Carrick with you. This is The Law Report. Australian academic Emma Cunliffe is professor in the Allard School of Law at the University of British Columbia. She's the author of the book Murder, Medicine and Motherhood, which way back in 2011 identified serious flaws in the prosecution case against Kathleen Folbig. Emma Cunliffe, in a nutshell, what were those serious flaws? There were two significant problems, I think, Damien. The first was that the medical scientific evidence that the jury heard was was incorrect and incomplete even in 2003. And the wrongness of that evidence only became more apparent with medical research that took place after the trial. The second was that the jury heard a lay interpretation of the meaning of diaries kept by Kathleen Folbig during her children's lives and reflecting on their deaths. And it took far too long for the legal system to seek expert evidence about maternal bereavement and what interpretation those diaries should have in light of grief and trauma. So it took two commissions of inquiry and the unprecedented involvement of the Australian Academy of Sciences before Kathleen Folbig was released, before she was pardoned, after spending 20 years in prison. In your view... Would a criminal cases review commission have made a difference in the Kathleen Folbig case? Yes, Damien, it would have. And I can be categorical about that because we have a direct comparator in the way in which the English Criminal Cases Review Commission dealt with the very similar cases of Sally Clark, Angela Cannings and Donna Anthony. So while wrongful convictions occurred in very similar circumstances in those three cases in England... These were cases involving mothers found guilty of of, of killing their infant children, smothering them, yeah? That's correct, and and multiple children with a similar mix of unreliable medical scientific evidence and uh, questionable, ambiguous behavioural evidence. And those wrongful convictions were identified and corrected within a couple of years in England where it took 20 years in New South Wales. So Emma Cunliffe, how did this uh, CCRC, how did it work to in a time-efficient way, address the miscarriages of justice involving these women. The English body first became aware of concerns about medical scientific evidence in child homicide cases when Sally Clark's husband approached them about her conviction 
and he had actually spoken directly with uh, statisticians at the Royal College of Statistics in England and essentially put before the commission evidence that the medical science brought in Sally Clark's case was flawed. The commission reviewed that case, referred it to the Court of Appeal and very quickly became aware that this was one of a number of cases which they then sought applications for review and and similarly referred back into the Court of Appeal very quickly. It all happened pretty fast, partly because the CCRC, which was then in its early days, quickly recognised the need to commission expert evidence and to move fast on these convictions. So you're based in Canada and you've played an important role in advocating for a Criminal Cases Review Commission in Canada. There is a draft bill currently before the House of Commons. What is being proposed? Will the body also have a role in identifying patterns or structural problems with evidence or or prosecutions or trials? That's a really important question, Damien. The report that was prepared by two former judges in Canada, one Indigenous and and one Black judge, strongly suggested that it was essential for the conceived body to have the capacity to study patterns in wrongful conviction, to identify systemic mistakes and, and to make recommendations about how to address them. Those powers have not been included in the bill that's now before Canadian Parliament, but I anticipate that when committee debates arise about the bill that that will be discussed. It's also fairly clear that there's nothing prohibiting the conceived body from doing that sort of analytical work. And you think it would be really essential for the body to do that? Yes, I do, Damien. I think it's hugely important to correct individual miscarriages of justice and existing systems are inadequate in their capacity to do so. But it's equally important to think about the lessons that can be drawn from wrongful convictions that are identified in order to stop patterns from repeating, both proactively in terms of future cases, but also in terms of identifying the possibility that other wrongful convictions might exist and and applications might not have been received. As Emma Cunliffe mentions, the proposed Canadian Miscarriage of Justice Review Commission is based on the Criminal Cases Review Commission, which operates in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. John Robbins is a lecturer in criminology at Brighton University and the editor of The Justice Gap, a website focusing on miscarriages of justice. If you're an innocent person wrongly convicted and you're in prison, the process is that you write to this Birmingham-based organisation called the Criminal Cases Review Commission, which was set up in 1997. The Criminal Cases Review Commission is the first ever miscarriage of justice watchdog, and they have the power to send your case back to the Court of Appeal. So they can send your case back to the courts, but you're compelled, if you want to clear your name, to go through them. And they can send your case back to the Court of Appeal if they believe that you there is the real possibility that the court will overturn your conviction. And that, that's a, a really important point to get your head around. You certainly need to kind of hit a threshold, and that threshold is you either need new evidence, fresh evidence, or you need new arguments. You can't simply rehash your case. You can't simply repeat what was said to the jury, which is problematic in a sense, because a lot of these cases, you know, there isn't anything new. They've, kind of, they've just kind of been um, poorly prosecuted or poorly defended in, in the courts, and there's been a mistake there. But actually, for the process that we have, you need something new. 
Just to be clear, the Commission of Inquiry in the Kathleen Folbig case, which was headed by a former Chief Justice of New South Wales, it recommended that the government grant a mercy pardon. It's up to a court of appeal to actually overturn her convictions. But in contrast, the CCRC in your country doesn't hold hearings. Rather, it investigates cases. And then if it feels that there's been a miscarriage of justice, writes a report to that effect and sends it to the appeal courts. That's absolutely right. And actually, that's a really important point, because when there there was um, talk of setting up this organisation in the wake of some very serious miscarriages of justice, campaigners really wanted what they called was a kind of a determinative body, a body that would have the powers to determine whether someone was wrongly convicted or not, and to take the process completely outside of the courts. That did not, not happen. So now you have what we call the real possibility test, which effectively the commission has got to be persuaded that the courts might well overturn the conviction. So what's happened is the watchdog body has become tied to the courts. And every year, about 1,500 people will write to this Birmingham-based organisation, to this watchdog body. And um, most of those will be prisoners. And that's a fairly standard figure. And typically, um, the commission will send 33 cases back every year. Over the first 20 years, on average, it was sending 33 cases back to the Court of Appeal every year. So not a huge amount. How many of those cases do the courts then say, yes, we, we hear that, we're hearing this case and we accept this and we quash the conviction? How often does that happen? The numbers are fairly static. So on average, 70% of those referrals are successful. So seven out of 10 of the commission's referrals are eventually overturned in the Court of Appeal. That's been a fairly solid number for the last 25 years. So in recent times, the number of cases being put forward by the CCRC to the courts has kind of plateaued. What are the current figures and why do you think that might be? So in 2016, there was a lot of concern because the numbers appeared to collapse. So from that 33 a year average, they dropped really dramatically to just 12. And then in 2017, there were 13. So the numbers kind of collapsed and it appeared to be a permanent bit of a permanent fixture. And this also came on the back of concerns about how good a job the commission was doing. There were a lot of concerns about the kind of the quality of investigation that a parliamentary group was set up, the all-party parliamentary group on miscarriages of justice. And that led to a two-year inquiry, um, which reported in 2021. And the top line was really that the commission was massively underfunded. So the the Westminster Commission, it's called, reported that the Criminal Case Review Commission received £6 million in 2019 compared to £9.24 million in 2004. So that's the kind of the colossal impact of the financial cuts on this organisation. So what would be your advice? Uh, Australia, in light of the the Kathleen Folbig miscarriage of justice, it's contemplating creating a a CCRC. That's that's very much part of the conversation here. What lessons do we need to learn from your experience? There have been a number of criminal case review commissions set up in the wake of ours, kind of which was set up in 1997, and they don't all have to take the same model. So Australia might well want to introduce a criminal case review commission. I suggest it does not follow our model. In one particular way, this watchdog body has, has become tied 
to the courts through, as I described before, the real possibility test. It can only refer those cases that it kind of believes that the courts might overturn. So if you get an increasingly conservative court of appeal, that limits the kind of cases that the commission might take back. So I suggest if Australia does follow the path of having a criminal cases review commission, it creates a determinative body, a body that operates outside of the courts. Secondly, it needs to be adequately funded, it needs to be independent, and it needs to build up its own profile. And you say it has to be determinative. Are you saying it should have the power to quash a conviction rather than simply recommend to a court to, to rehear a case Absolutely. and quash a conviction? But that's, that's quite a radical step, isn't it, to, to take the powers away from the courts? It is a radical step, but the, the idea of a criminal case review commission was a radical idea. It was born out of campaigning, out of awful experiences that we had in our courts. And, you know, cases like the Birmingham Six, the Guildford Four, the Maguire Seven, the Cardiff Three, the, these terrible miscarriages of justice, the story of these cases was... Which for Australian listeners, are, I think all IRA cases from the sort of 70s and they 80s. They are. So just... Just to give you a flavour, I mean, the Birmingham Six is a case that's best known. This is why the Criminal Cases Review Commission is based in Birmingham, and that involved six Irish men wrongly convicted of two awful terrorist attacks in Birmingham, which claimed the lives of 21 people. And they spent 16 years in prison. And so there, there were a series of these called the Irish cases that really shocked the public. The public suddenly kind of became seized upon this idea that our courts were not doing a proper job. and it revealed a huge kind of institutional denial on the part of the justice system. So when people called for a kind of a radical solution, they wanted to take the problem out of the courts. That is a very radical proposal, I think, to Australian ears. Can we talk about some of the the cases which have been successful? There's a really interesting one involving Andrew Malkinson, which has just been resolved uh, just in the last month or so. Tell me about that extraordinary case. The Malkinson case has just been referred back to the Court of Appeal and the Crown Prosecution Service have uh, announced that they're not going to contest the case. So that that's a, a major breakthrough. He'd spent, I think, 17 years in jail for, for a rape, I think. Um, but there'd been found that there'd been the DNA of another person at the crime site uh, on the woman's clothing. And, and that was the basis upon which the matter was referred by the CCRC back to the Court of Appeal. That's absolutely right. I mean, one of the significant things there is what's driving the progress that's been made in Andy's case is it's coming from a, a legal charity called Appeal, who specialise in miscarriages of justice. And they've done the investigation. They've come up with this DNA breakthrough. So really, kind of the impetus for that is coming from Appeal. Yes, the referral has come through the Criminal Cases Review Commission. I know the Criminal Cases Review Commission have done their own work on the DNA, but the breakthrough itself is down to campaigning organisation making the application alongside Andy. And as a, there have been two previous applications to the Criminal Case Review Commission that have gone nowhere. So does that, to you, speak of the, the ongoing need of campaigning lawyers and activists? Absolutely. Absolutely. You would need it if you had a, a kind of a properly funded 
investigative organization on the Criminal Case Review Commission. But what's happened is over the years, it's been starved of funds and it's been very much undermined, which means that actually the, the organizations like Appeal, the small number of lawyers who remain committed to, to doing criminal appeals work, the campaign organizations, the innocence projects at universities are kind of needed more than ever to do this work to get these cases back to the Criminal Cases Review Commission. John Robbins, a journalist and criminologist, and also um, the editor of a new book, Murder, Wrongful Convictions and the Law. Thank you very much for speaking to The Law Report. Pleasure. Damien Carrick with you. This is The Law Report. Do follow the podcast on the ABC Listen app. Today, we're looking at special bodies set up to investigate miscarriages of justice. New Zealand established a Criminal Cases Review Commission in 2020. Colin Carruthers, KC, is the Chief Commissioner. We've received now just short of 380 applications since uh, 1 July 2020. And of those, we have investigated or reviewed 125 and decided those cases. So we we have dealt with about a third of the cases that we have received. I understand the first case was referred back to the court in December 2022. It involved a man known as Mr G. Can you tell me a little bit about him? He was a, a, a refugee who came to New Zealand at quite a young age. And the reason that his case was referred is that He was prosecuted for a series of offences, most of which he admitted, uh, and he was sentenced to prison. The difficulty was that the um, police and the court treated him as as a 17-year-old. And in fact, the evidence that we uncovered showed that at the time he was a 15-year-old and there's a statutory prohibition on sentencing young offenders to prison, in the normal courses of a 15-year-old, he would have been dealt with in the youth court and likely would not have been, uh, been convicted. So having investigated that case and reviewed all of the material, we referred that to an appeal court. Really interesting. So a 15-year-old was sent to an adult jail, and New Zealand law says you have to be 16 years old to be put in jail unless it's a very serious indictable offence. A terrible case, but it isn't necessarily one which would capture the public imagination and and force politicians to create a commission of inquiry, say in the the Kathleen Folbig uh, case. Is that the advantage of the Criminal Case Review Commission? It's a standing body that can methodically work through all applications, high profile and lower profile, like perhaps this case? Yeah, uh, Damien, I think a miscarriage of justice is a miscarriage of justice no matter what the offence is. 100%, yep. And to to send a a 15-year-old to an adult prison with consequences that emerged in this case for him personally, in terms of the way in which he was treated in prison, is a serious case. Uh, and I think I think y- your comment is right, that um, our commission means that we can look at cases right across the board. I think it's important to, to look at the drivers for the establishment of, of our commission. And it comes against the background of a number of a number of significant cases here. We've had really a, a stark case of somebody 
serving over 20 years in prison for an offence which demonstrably was a murder conviction and demonstrably he, um, uh, he, he was not guilty. And which case is that? That's Alan Hall that's reasonably recently been decided by our Supreme Court which is our equivalent of your High Court. What's so interesting is that uh, the Alan Hall case, uh, I think it was one of a number of cases in New Zealand which led to similar soul-searching as is now taking place here in Australia. And the Alan Hall case, gee whiz, it, it happened, well, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison many, many years ago, but, but it was only resolved by the courts last year. So that speaks a really, really incredibly long timeline to resolve these issues. Issues. And just for listeners, can you tell me a little bit about him and what he was found guilty of at the time and what the flaw was with his prosecution? I think there were issues with the police investigation. It turns on identification evidence where there were pressures put on in, in relation to the way in which identification were made. There were alterations made to witness statements. One of the um, crucial questions was that uh, one of the witnesses described the offender as Maori and um, Alan Hall as Pākehā. Which is a European New Zealander. That's right. And uh, the the other issue was that there was a description of uh, the offender being uh, right-handed or left-handed and Alan Hall was um, the opposite. So there were really failures in the... um, in the way in which the case was investigated and prosecuted, it was just peppered with um, with errors that made um, miscarriage of justice really quite obvious. So he's uh, found guilty of murder. He, he spends, I think, 19 years in prison before uh, the yeah. Supreme Court of New Zealand um, acknowledges a substantial miscarriage of justice has occurred and overturns his conviction in June 2022. Do you think that... A criminal case review commission would have identified the problem in his prosecution and avoided him spending so many years behind bars before the flaws were identified and the pardon given, a conviction quashed. Alan Hall could have applied to a commission such as ours if it had been in existence at that time. So it may well be that... um, there would have been an earlier consideration of his uh, conviction. Does the New Zealand CCRC also seek to identify systemic issues as well as focusing on the particulars of a, a, of a prosecution case and trial? Does it also seek to look at wider systemic issues? Yes, we keep a list of systemic issues and... Uh, The one that we're investigating at the moment that may well lead to a a report to the minister concerns identification evidence. And we we have a number of cases at the moment where identification evidence is very much an issue in, in the applications before us. Eyewitness evidence, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Colin Carruthers, KC, Chief Commissioner of the New Zealand uh, Criminal Case Review Commission. Look, thank you for speaking to The Law Report. It's been a, a very, very interesting conversation. Thank you very much indeed. So what form should any Australian Criminal Cases Review Commission take? Professor Emma Cunliffe says, like Canada, also a federation, we should also create a single national body. 
obviously there are some federalism challenges in terms of how the Australian constitutional structure works. But there are many examples of places where states and territories have referred their powers to a federal body in order to ensure a consistent approach. I think both the the benefit of the scale of numbers and also the benefit of adopting a more consistent and harmonised approach um, across Australia speaks in favour of a federal model. You would need a body to have adequate funding for it to be effective as well. Yes, that is a pressing concern. It's very clear that there's no real value in having an independent review commission if the review commission isn't adequately funded to do the work it needs to do. There is a pattern, including in England, of hobbling the powers of a commission of this kind by reducing the funding that's available to it. That's a danger that needs to be carefully watched. Is there an argument that a body like this should be a determinative body? It should have the power to itself quash a conviction rather than simply send a report back to an appeal court saying, we as here at the Criminal Cases Review Commission have serious concerns and you need to look at this case. You need to hear an appeal in this decision, a fresh appeal in this decision. Is there an argument for that kind of approach? The proposal to have a commission make final determination of guilt or, or to reverse convictions has some appeal in terms of efficiency and the speed with which wrongful convictions could be corrected. But it also raises really significant questions. The value of having judges make that decision is the architecture that exists around judicial independence and the importance of preserving the independence of the ultimate determination of criminal guilt. So if a commission had that power, then I think that would give rise to questions about the security of tenure of the commissioners, for example, and their independence and whether those two protections and safeguards were equivalent to the protections that we give to judges. Very interesting. So it's, so it's about um, safeguarding independence. Could the argument be made that uh, maybe there are structural problems with the courts and the way lawyers and, and judges look at things? And so having a body which is one step removed from that would be a better way. Yes, Damien. I think if one looks to the response of the New South Wales legal system over the years to, to concerns about Kathleen Folbig's guilt, for example, we can see a legal culture which is resistant to acknowledging the possibility of error. That's an important conversation and one that should be had in the context of a criminal cases review commission as elsewhere. I'm not certain that locating the power to correct miscarriages of justice in a completely separate body would wholly address those cultural concerns. I think they're deep-seated and they're going to require an extended conversation within the legal profession. Mm. And there, would there also be, uh, I'm thinking even kind of constitutional issues around the role of judges being the only people who can make this kind of determination? Yes, I would expect that um, there'd be really significant questions about whether a commissioner who could make a determination of this kind becomes a Chapter 3 judge um, or how precisely that would work. A Chapter 3, which is the, um, the judiciary uh, section of the Australian Constitution. So, so where are we at in Australia, Emma Cunliffe? What's the state of play? What's required to create this kind of body? 
It will take political will to establish a criminal cases review commission in Australia. And I think we can anticipate to see advocacy from those who've been wrongly convicted and their supporters, as well as from the legal profession, academics like the Sydney Institute of Criminology, to try to address what has now become an obvious structural flaw in the Australian legal system. An obvious structural flaw. Emma Cunliffe, professor in the Allard School of Law at the University of British Columbia, author of the 2011 book uh, Murder, Medicine and Motherhood. Thank you very much for speaking to The Law Report. Thank you very much for having me along, Damien. A big thanks to producer Christina Kukolia and also to technical producer this week, Angie Grant. I'm Damien Carrick. Talk to you next time with more law. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.